you're here. Yay. I love it. I'm so excited that you're here. I have a story for you today that is going to blow your mind. It is about some children whose lives were saved because of some sled dogs in Alaska. And I'm sharing the story today with my friend Shante Cofield, who cracks me up nonstop. Do you have a friend in your life where you communicate primarily via TikToks? <laughs> where you're like, 90% of our texts are via TikTok? Yes, that is Shante. I especially think it's funny that I chose this Alaska story for her because she finds cold weather disrespectful. And cold weather factors heavily in this story. Let's get into it. Let's get into the sled dog serum run. I'm Sharon McMahon, and welcome to the Sharon Says So podcast. Shante, thank you so much. I thoroughly enjoy you. A lot of our messages are like, look at this ugly is, thing mm-mm. that is, that does not, we need to stop talking no, about. We don't even need to see this. I have a story to tell you. It has some weather that you're going to love. I'm going to be offended. I already know. <laughs> you're already going to be offended by the weather in this story. So have you ever heard of the 1925 serum run? You know, believe it or not, I haven't heard of this. So. <laughs> Shocking. <laughs> Shocking. Most people have it. It is a story that's going to offend you. <laughs> going to offend you mostly because it involves, um, really bad weather. Mm-mm. Okay. So mm-hmm. you know where Alaska is. It's not an Island. A lot of people think right? they Alaska just think that. is an yeah. Island <laughs> off the coast of Arizona. Um, because when you're looking at a map of the United States, it does not including Mexico. And so Hawaii and Alaska just kind of float off the coast, the quote unquote, coast of Arizona. I was, so I was going to back it up and be like, excuse me, ma'am, uh, the coast of Arizona. (laughs) (laughs) So Alaska is not an Island. It's actually really large state connected to Canada, not connected to the rest of the United States. Common misconception. Alaska is also a lot bigger than it Mm. looks on a map, right? Like if you put Alaska in the middle of a map, it would cover like Minnesota, North and South Dakota, Iowa, Missouri, it co- would cover a huge chunk of the middle of the country. It's not the size of Wyoming. Like That's it what it looks like. Maps, it right? On the west coast of Alaska is a city called Nome, Alaska. Mm. Okay. Mm. Nome was the home of a huge gold rush. And one of the claims to fame of the Nome gold rush was that all of the gold was just on the beaches. It was just mixed into the rocks on the beach. And so it was one of those gold rushes where you couldn't like stake a claim. You couldn't be like, this here's my land and whatever I find is going to be mine. You couldn't do that. It was literally required you just like putting in the time, digging through the rocks on the beach, and then whatever you found could be yours. So the beaches of Nome, Alaska, during this turn of the century, this little gold rush, yielded over 100 metric tons of gold just sitting on the beaches. But, but So was there like three people there? In my mind, Alaska has a population of two. <laughs> well, you know, initially it's just a location where native Alaskans live, but then of course, once people discovered that there was gold there, the city of Nome swelled from like a couple hundred people to 20,000 people trying to stake their claim 
the population of Nome, Alaska has descended to around 1,400 people. And it was a mixture of three or 400 uh, Native Alaskans and, you know, 900-ish what they refer to in the census records as white people. <laughs> that was it? Yeah, whites. White they, they did. It was, it was so whites. Basic. Okay, so 1,400-ish people living in this very remote town, which is right on the ocean. Obviously, it has beaches. But it's not, you know, like Alaska has a lot of mountains. And mm. you, can, you cannot just drive across the state of Alaska, even to this day. There mm-hmm, is no mm-hmm, road trip yeah. across Alaska. Mm. Too many mountains. Can't build a road through Mount McKinley, through Denali. That's not happening. So the way that they delivered mail, they delivered things was via. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Uh, dog sled, right? You can't take a boat across the interior of Alaska. You can't fly a plane across Alaska at that time. You can't build a train through a mountain. I don't know. Again, I don't know when things were made. And you were like, a dog. (laughs) A dog sled. (laughs) A dog sled. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That's the answer. Ever guess. So here's the problem with planes. Okay. 1925, most of the planes were open cockpit. Mm, nope. Mm-hmm. Also no. And the weather in Alaska, super offensive, yeah. right? <laughs> According to yes. you, um, you know, like it gets down to 50 below. And so they tried to fly planes over the winter and the pilots would wrap themselves in so many layers of clothes that they would be nearly unable to maneuver the plane. And planes crash landed many times during the test because the pilots were too cold to manipulate the controls. So plane flying in Alaska was not a thing in the 1920s in the wintertime. Like you could I mean, do it negative in- 50. No. Like- right, right. Nope. You're dead. You exactly. Just, like, You're truly, dead. <laughs> truly die. Also, no way to get a boat up the coast of Alaska because 
of ice. It's frozen. Mm-hmm. It's frozen. The port there is frozen from November to July. See? Until oh. July. <laughs> <laughs> this is also what people in the Pacific Northwest are like. They're like, but the summers are great. They forget about those other months. <laughs> Move here. The summers are great. It's negative 11 billion the rest of the year, but the summers are great. That's oh. Minnesota. That's Minnesota for you. That's how it goes here. It's cold for nine months and warm, <laughs> no. warmish for a couple months. Yes. All right. So 1925, there is one doctor that serves the town of Nome and the surrounding villages. Okay. His name was Curtis Welch. They had a small, small hospital there. It was him and four nurses. And a couple of native children come in with this like serious cough. And he's not sure what it is. He diagnoses them with like bronchitis, some kind of coughing illness. A white girl comes in or a white child comes in. She too is sick. He starts consulting all of his medical books. He had lived, by the way, through the Spanish flu Mm. epidemic, which had happened in like Mm -hmm. 1918, 1919. The Spanish flu, which by the way, is just H1N1, Spanish Mm -hmm. flu, of Mm -hmm. course, is a nickname for it, killed 50% of the native population in that region during that time period. 50%. When I looked up the statistics on the Spanish flu pandemic, it killed A conservative estimate is 50 million people worldwide. 50 million people that the Spanish flu pandemic killed. So he was very concerned. Yeah. Super concerned that like, what is happening? And one of the things about the Spanish flu pandemic is that it killed healthy young people. Anyway, so Curtis Welch, very concerned about what's happening, pours through his medical books and finally diagnoses these children with diphtheria. I learned about that on Oregon Trail. Yep. Yes. <laughs> the only time I've heard that. Yes. <laughs> Jennifer has died exactly. of diphtheria. Like, oh gosh, I know about that. That's bad. <laughs> it's a bad one. The doctor, Curtis Welch, prior to anybody being diagnosed with diphtheria, ordered the antitoxin, which at the time was the treatment for this illness. He had ordered it and it had not arrived in time. And you have to use a lot of units in order to inoculate somebody or treat somebody with mm. it. Um, it had not gotten there in time. And he realized prior to any of this happening that he was going to be without the treatment for it for the duration of the winter because it was too late. The ports were closed, all of that stuff. What was left in the hospital was expired, expired by like five years. And he, I was like, it's a loose suggestion. You could still yep. use it. <laughs> yes. He tried Dang. to treat people with it and they died anyway. So he he realized very quickly that this will wipe out 100% of this town. If something doesn't happen, we will all die. And he sent an urgent message to the governor of, you know, Alaska territory, the United States health department in Washington, DC, the mayors of every town in Alaska, like an urgent message. And this is what the urgent message said. I looked it up. Did he email this? Yeah, he emailed it. That's correct. Yes. He flew it by owl. This was sent on January 22nd of 1925. This is what the cable said. An epidemic of diphtheria is almost inevitable here. Stop. I am in urgent need of 1 million units of diphtheria antitoxin. Stop. 
Mail is the only form of transportation. Stop. I have made application to Commissioner of Health of the Territories for antitoxin already. Stop. There are about 3,000 white natives in the district. Don't know what white natives is, huh. but perhaps he meant whites and natives. And that was it. That was the message. And he had about, at that point, 20-ish confirmed cases of diphtheria, expanded quickly, and about 50 other people who were, you know, like at risk because they lived in houses with people who were sick. Meanwhile, a hospital in Fairbanks discovered, you know, like very serendipitously discovered around 300,000 units of diphtheria antitoxin. And Fairbanks is in the deep interior of Alaska, over 900, yes, over 900 Mm -hmm. miles away. So, you know, like if you think about the entire coast of California Mm -hmm. is like 700 and something miles, this is 900 miles away through mountainous Alaska, through minus 50 weather. We have it, but how are you going to, how are you going to get it? So they decide we're going to use sled dogs. I was going to say, don't tell me the dogs again. Don't. Yep. <laughs> Not the dogs they decide again. they're going to use a sled dog relay. Oh, which, okay. Which like means, a Wagner relay. Yeah. Yep, yeah, yeah. Which means that different teams of mushers Smart. and sled dogs were going to meet at different checkpoints to pick up this antitoxin and attempt to bring it to Nome, Alaska. Most of the mushers at that time were native Alaskans. There was a trail that ran from near Fairbanks to Nome, which was used to deliver mail. And it would normally take 30 days to traverse that trail. The record time that it took to go across that trail was nine days. That was the fastest anyone had ever done it. The doctor in this scenario that was going to send out the antitoxin said this best case scenario, this vile has about six days on the trail and then it's toast. (laughs) And it was again, January in Alaska. They wrap it up in a bunch of quilts. They ask who is willing to mush Mm -hmm. a portion of this 900 plus mile route to save the children of Nome, Mm. Alaska. They're basically looking for people who have the experience to do the job, but also the people who were willing to risk their lives and risk the lives of their dogs because yeah. these these are the conditions under which nobody would yeah. voluntarily be out there. And they, they had to go into it knowing that they would potentially die and their dogs would potentially die. Why why you invite me on to hear about a sad dog story, Sharon? <laughs> Why are you trying to talk to me about sad sad dogs and also bad weather? Thanks for nothing. Offended. (laughs) Thanks for nothing. I'm already offended by the story. I don't like any of it. So, okay. They get together this group of 20 different mushers and they create the checkpoints. They use what were called roadhouses, which are just exactly what they sound like, like a house on the side of the trail. And they set out on this journey and they are truly racing against the clock because they know that for every day that they are delayed, more children are potentially going to die of diphtheria. 
here's the other thing. It's January and there's only about four hours of daylight oh, a day. Yes. Four hours of daylight a day. Yes, because the other time. It switches and it's amazing. Mm -hmm. It's like this light. That's right. Mm -hmm. Oh my goodness. Okay. Mm. So they set out, it is minus 50 Mm. and there's four hours of daylight a day. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And the first person to, to set out with his team of dogs was a man named wild Bill Shannon. (laughs) And (laughs) he's this, you know, very large man who he's precisely as you would envision. I already know what he looks like. Yeah, you know, like he has he has pistols. I already see him. You you know what I mean? Yes. He sets out at nine. (laughs) He has pistols. Pistols. He's in bar fights all the time. (laughs) He leaves at 9 p.m. He arrives at his checkpoint at 3 a.m. Overnight, while he has been mushing his dogs during this time period, the temperature dropped to minus 65. And that is just the air temperature. That is not including any wind chill. That's are, just the air temperature. Okay? How are the dogs okay? They're not. A bunch of them died. What? You just left that part out. <laughs> <laughs> he, arri- he arrives. He arrives at his checkpoint three o'clock in the morning, his face was mostly black from frostbite. Yep. And it never, his skin never recovered. That's it. It's not going to come back. Yep. His face was black for mostly like patchy black Mm -hmm. frostbite for the rest of his life. Several of his dogs uh, died because they were, because of the horrible conditions and because they were moving so quickly that they didn't have time to take the appropriate amount of like rests and warm ups and, you know, et cetera. Mm -hmm. The mayor of Nome sees how bad it is Mm -hmm. getting in his town and is worried that this sled dog relay is not going to make it in time. He is just like, they only have six days. Uh, Meanwhile, children are going to die. Even if they arrive in 10 days, the antitoxin will not be effective. It's basically like, we're all going to die. That's it. If you don't hurry up, (laughs) we're going to die. That's it. It just so happens that living in Nome, Alaska at that time was perhaps one of the most famous sled dog racers of all time. He was living there. He had his dogs there and his name was Leonard Seppala. And the mayor of Nome said, would you be willing to leave Nome right now in an effort to try to intercept this relay wherever you intercept them? And get back here probably faster because you are literally like the world's best sled dog racer. We have all had embarrassing moments where something didn't smell quite right. And if you have any children or people in your lives who have stinky toes, stinky feet, and those stinky shoes pile up by the door of your house. And then when people come over, they're like, um, your house smells weird. There's a solution for that. And it is not necessarily spraying down your house with disinfectant. It is taking care of the smell at the source by using Lumi on places like the people in your house's stinky feet. It is a whole body deodorant. It is safe to use anywhere on your body. It was created by a doctor who saw firsthand how stinky feet and other body parts are often misdiagnosed as problems when in reality you could just use a product like Lumi and it would take care of the issue. 
It has been clinically proven to block odor all day and control odor for up to 72 hours. Lumi's starter pack is perfect for new customers. It comes with a solid stick deodorant, a cream tube deodorant, two free products of your choice like mini body wash and deodorant wipes, and free shipping. As a special offer for listeners, new customers get $5 off a Lumi starter pack with code SHARON at lumideodorant.com. That equates to over 40% off your starter pack when you visit lumideodorant.com and use code SHARON. The show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all have stress in our life. Absolutely. It's unavoidable. It's just part of the human experience. But some of us have more than others, and some of us handle it better than others. Some of us really keep it bottled up, and it can start to affect us negatively. I would imagine at some point in your life, you can relate to this, right? And therapy is a safe space to be able to get some of these things off your chest. And that is why so many people find benefit in speaking to a qualified professional. If you're thinking about starting therapy for something like managing your stress, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online. It's designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist, and you can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Sharon today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Sharon. We hear from a lot of interesting people on this podcast, and I know that I am always hungry for more. And what if you could learn from the world's best all in one place? Guess what? You can. With Masterclass, you can learn from the best to become your best. Masterclass is the only streaming platform where you can learn and grow with over 200 of the world's best instructors. For just $10 a month, an annual membership with Masterclass gets you unlimited access to every instructor. And you can access Masterclass on your phone, your computer, your smart TV, even in audio modes, you can listen to it like a podcast. I know that when I watch Doris Kearns Goodwin, that first of all, I'm going to be getting fantastic information, that the production level is going to be incredible. And then I'm going to walk away feeling smarter and more informed than I was before. Right now, our listeners get an additional 15% off any annual membership at masterclass.com slash Sharon. That's 15% off at masterclass.com slash Sharon. Masterclass.com slash Sharon. And of course, Leonard Seppala's daughter was infected with diphtheria. Mm. So Mm. his daughter is sick and he thinks to himself, Mm. I'm going to do whatever it takes. The plot thickens. Uh, yes, I'm going to do whatever it takes. I am going to leave Nome. I am going to start running towards the people that are running towards me <laughs> because I have faith in my team and because I know what I'm doing. I'm going to run towards them. I'm going to stop them from what they're doing. And we're going to be able to get back faster than if I just let things take its course. So Leonard Seppala leaves. He begins running his team. He has a large team of dogs. His lead dog has gone on to be one of the most famous dogs of all time. His name is Togo. 
This dog has an incredible story. When this dog was born, initially Leonard Seppala was like, this dog is no good. <laughs> no good. This dog is no good. He gave it away as a family pet mm -mm. because he's like, this dog is no good. This dog is not going to be a good sled dog. It doesn't listen. It constantly tries to escape. It constantly tries to run away. He gave it away to a family. After he gave it away, the dog leapt out of like a second story window and ran miles back to the kennel where, Len where Leonard and the other dogs were. He was like, this is what yeah, I'm supposed to is, I am a sled dog. Literally. This is so, my calling. That's right. There were several other stories about how Togo escaped from tethers where he was like, you are not a sled dog. You're too small. You, mm, only, weigh, tiny. You, only, you only weigh mm. 45 pounds. You're too small and you don't listen. So you're staying here. So Seppala sets off. Everybody else is coming towards him. None of them know Seppala's on his way because of course it is literally oh. in the middle of nowhere, Alaska. They don't know he's coming. Right. They already have all of their plans to just right. continue and try to make it to Nome. So Seppala runs literally like hundreds of miles, intercepts the team that has been moving towards Nome. Meanwhile, after Seppala leaves, the mayor is like, okay, who else, who else can be part of this? Like, we're going to need somebody to intercept. The Seppala. interception. Yes. Somebody needs to intercept the interception. But this is <laughs> what? This yep. is the worst planning I've ever heard. <laughs> Turns out there was no advanced planning. What? But, but he's the fastest. Why did he's they? The they just thought maybe he's going to run into trouble. What if he runs into trouble? So we're going to send people after him. They sent a couple of guys, but one of the people that they sent was a very pretty inexperienced musher whose name is Gunnar Kaysen. He went to the kennel that was left in town. You're like, all of the leftover Get the dogs. runty dogs. Yes, all the leftover dogs. And he picks out this one dog named Balto. As oh, his, we've all heard this name. Yes, yep. He picks out Balto as his lead dog who had never been a lead sled dog before. And Seppala later was like, I would never have picked Balto to be a lead dog at all. <laughs> Eventually, as Seppala is coming back, so Gnome is kind of out, you know, on this point sticking out onto the ocean. And he is coming this route where if he cut across the ice on the open ocean, he could make up many hours of time versus staying on the land and following the shoreline. You hear what you just said? Versus staying on the land. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yes. He, de he decides. Um, the weather, by the way, is so bad that it is literally whiteout conditions. Mm, no. And where he cannot even see the two dogs in the harnesses closest to him. That is how bad the weather was. He decides, I, there's no way I will make it in time. There's no way this, that I will make it in time if I stay on the land. So I am going to go across these ice the water. 
across the water. And he knew it was incredibly dangerous because the winds were so strong that it was breaking up the ice on the shore and the wave action underneath the ice flows was causing all of the ice to crack and to create these big heaves and chunks of ice. He described later that there was like these tremendous crashing and cracking sounds. Ice cracking, by the way, is incredibly loud. It's incredibly mm. loud. So he I wouldn't decides- know. <laughs> I dropped an ice cube. That's like closest thing, Sharon. <laughs> oh. Ice cracking on, on a lake or, you know, on the ocean like that, it'll wake you up at night is how loud Wild. it is. Yes. He decides he's going he's gonna to risk it. He's like, well, if I don't risk it, the whole town will oh, die. It's dead, yeah. Either way, either yeah. way. If I die, the town dies. If I don't risk it, the town dies. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I'm going to risk it. I'm going to risk it. And there was one point where his team was on a piece of ice and the ice cracked off and started floating out into the open ocean. The gap between this ice flow and the shore was widening so quickly that there was no way for the team to get across. And so he unharnessed Togo wrapped the rope around him and wanted him to jump across and see if he could pull the two pieces of ice closer together so that his dog weighs 45 pounds. (laughs) Correct. The dog weighed 45 pounds. So he didn't make it onto the next ice flow, but he jumped into the water and the harness, the lead that attached him to the rest of the team snapped Nope. He, he swam over to the broken lead, picked up the broken lead in his mouth, swam in a circle to wrap the rope around himself, swimming in the ocean at minus 60. He got close enough to pull the ice flows close enough together that he, they could get the rest of the team across. But what? Uh-huh, 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 uh-huh. That's a thing. That is a thing. Yep. In my mind, my mind, for whatever reason, automatically goes to what the other, being one of the other dogs, like, oh man, look at, look at him go over there. <laughs> 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 like, well, that it wasn't me. <laughs> Seppala eventually intercepts one of the mushers that is heading his way. Oh, you know, like he, like, like so he made a plan. He intercepts them. He got off the ice um, back on the, land. The musher that was coming his way his dogs had gotten tangled up because they crashed into a reindeer. And so they were being significantly slowed down because he was trying to like, when you have a dog team, by the way, you know, like they all have their own leads Mm -hmm. and they cannot get tangled. No, that, that, no, that will kill your dogs if they get tangled. So you have to stop disentangle everything. And you're dealing with the dogs that are now crazy, like psycho out of control because of the reindeer reindeer. Mm-hmm. What? So Seppala intercepts them, takes the 20 pound vial of antitoxin, like straps it to his sled and sets off in the opposite direction, like turns around and starts going back the way that he just came. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, over the, did we know we didn't learn from that. We just mm-hmm. went in the over, water. Oh, over the ice. Yeah. We're going in the water again. And eventually gets back onto shore and decides he has to stop for the night and, and a, a native family Um, takes him in, lets him sleep, warms up his dogs. He woke up the next morning to see all of the ice gone. 
Listen, I know if you pick up any kind of beauty magazine or you follow an influencer, there's like a new skincare product every single day of the week. And it can be really difficult to know which ones to even try, like which one is worth your money. And if you're tired of cycling through ineffective skincare trends and overcomplicated routines, you might be excited to know that one of today's sponsors is OneSkin. Their products make it easy to keep your skin healthy. No complicated routines, just simple, scientifically validated solutions. The secret is OneSkin's proprietary OS1 peptide. It's the first ingredient proven to switch off the aging cells that cause lines, wrinkles, and thinning skin. I especially like the eye cream. It's not too thick where you feel like it's going to clog all your pores, but it goes on really, really nicely under makeup. For a limited time, you'll get an exclusive 15% off your first OneSkin purchase using the code SHARON when you check out at oneskin.co. That's O-N-E-S-K-I-N dot C-O. Try OneSkin and enjoy younger, healthier skin without all the extra steps. That's oneskin.co, code SHARON. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. The secret to visibly firmer, summer-ready skin is here. Osea's number one best-selling Andaria Algae Body Oil. Clinically proven to instantly improve skin elasticity and transform dull, dry skin to silky, soft, and unbelievably glowing. Rich yet never greasy, Andaria Algae Body Oil is formulated with sustainably sourced seaweed to help replenish the skin's moisture barrier and seven nourishing active botanical oils for results you can see and feel all over. The best part? It's signature scent. A blend of freshly squeezed grapefruit, cypress, and mango mandarin transports you to sun-kissed summer days. This all-natural scent is unforgettable. Everything Osea makes is clean, vegan, cruelty-free, and climate-neutral certified, so you never have to choose between your values and your best skin. Get healthy, glowing skin for summer with clean, vegan skincare from Osea. Get 10% off your first order site-wide with code GLOW at oseamalibu.com. That's O-S-E-A Malibu.com code GLOW. All of the ice that he had just run it was just to, on. to and from was completely gone from... Like from, it washed away, you mean? Yeah, yep, okay, from the okay, wind, okay. the wind pushing washed it away. off of shore. Mm-hmm. So a couple, of other, a couple of other men who had, you know, been sent by the mayor of Nome, including Gunnar Kaysen, um, eventually meet Seppala and get the vial from him. One of them had his hands permanently damaged from frostbite. Of course. 
Kaysen and his dog, Balto. Balto, we're back. Yep, get get the vial of antitoxin and begin running the last remaining 50-ish miles into Nome, Alaska. And they finally pulled into Nome at like five o'clock in the morning. And it was five days after they had set out. And the record time before that had been nine days. It was truly the worst weather that Alaska had experienced in decades. Whiteout condition blizzards, temperatures that were Mm -mm. uh, like basically you're unable to function in those kinds of temperatures. And despite the worst temperatures, worst weather conditions, they made this journey, this 900 plus mile journey via dog sled in five days. Of course, the person running the last leg of the relay is the one to cross the finish line, right? Yeah, this it's is Gunner. Case, it's Gunner, Kaysen, and Balto. They get all the glory. Of course, always. They get all the glory. They get all the media With the runt attention. Dog. <laughs> yep. They get all the media attention. Like, he's a hero. The city of New York erects a Balto statue in This is Central why we've all Park. heard of Balto. Yes. Just because it was the last part. Yep. He's a statue in Central Park still. I feel Um, bad. At the bottom of his statue, it says endurance, fidelity, and intelligence. That statue went up the year after this happened. So of course, Seppola was a little peeved. Yeah. He was a little peeved that he did the lion's share of the work. He risked his own life and he, you know, like he was, did not get the glory of his dog was in the water yep he was the person who like basically made this whole thing literally yes but he got none of the glory Kaysen was awarded a thousand dollars stop it for his you know like you brought the antitoxins you got you got a thousand dollar award all the other 19 (sighs) mushers were paid 25 dollars per day plus the pay of 18 dollars and 66 cents the $25 a day was like care and feeding of your animals and all of that kind of stuff. The pay for you was $18. $18. And, and, yep. You got your $18. And Kaysen was the a one thousand dollars Right. Right. So the doctor begins administering the antitoxin. At this point, the antitoxin had been enough for around 70 people. Remember, he had requested um, a, a, yeah, a, million. a million units, mm. only had 300,000. It was enough for 70 people, and 68 people were sick in the village. Almost everyone was saved, depending on which historic record you consult, either three, four, or five people ended up dying from diphtheria. Okay. And it could have been- and Everyone. Could have been everybody. 3,000. Because of their efforts, they basically saved the entire community of Nome, Alaska by risking their own lives <sighs> doing this. So after all this happened, um, Balto goes on this big media tour. Mm-hmm. He goes around the whole country. He's famous. He's famous. All the school children heard of him. Yeah, I've heard Baldo. Yep, yep. 100%. Yep. In 1927, it was revealed that Kaysen did not have enough money to take care of him, and he was sold to a carnival sideshow. No. Sharon, I'm offended. (laughs) 
This is the worst part of the story. <laughs> he was sold to a carnival sideshow and some school children in Cleveland heard that he was living in a carnival and they raised their pennies to oh. buy him from the carnival and okay. they brought him to the Cleveland Zoo and Balto lived for six years in the Cleveland Zoo. He's a dog he, though, before, right? Yes. He's Why a dog is he in, in the zoo? zoo? They were like, we don't want him, but Why it's they a dog. Why find somebody to adopt him? It's I a dog. Know. They're the equivalent of Facebook marketplace of like, who needs a hero sled dog? Balto is available. You know what I mean? Like, why wasn't that a thing? What happened? We saw this story went from, you know, the remarkable problem solving, questionable decisions with like, let's send more people out. And then the only option is a carnival. What? (laughs) And a zoo. And a zoo. Is this this is like very representative of what happens when you enter the contiguous United States down <laughs> down south and like wait uh, we got a carnival. <laughs> you know what you need is this dog. And then why did none of the zookeepers zoo? It's a dog. Just, just say you know what this is a really sweet bring dog. It home. Let me just bring it home. I'll bring it home. I Maybe they him. just saw it as a as a money making opportunity. Like people would want it. I'm sure they had to. Yeah. What? So Togo. Sepala's dog, you know, like the best dog that has ever lived. Time Magazine, by the way, named him the biggest animal hero of all time. Uh, yes. Um, yep. He eventually, he goes on a little media tour. He doesn't get the initial fame and glory that Balto did. He did spend 10 days at Madison Square Gardens. <laughs> <laughs> and then he eventually made his way to a, a husky breeding farm in Maine where now, you know, he was bred to a bunch Mm -hmm. of, bunch of sled dogs. Most of the Siberian Huskies in the United States are descendants of Togo now. Wow. Because of the, you know, the way the genetics work and the designation of being a Sepala sled dog. Wow. That is something sled dog owners want. So most of that breed at some point came from Togo, the best, most hero sled dog of all time. It's so funny that this is wild, Sharon. <laughs> he at age 16 was eventually put to sleep because oh, he was okay. old, like okay. happens to dogs. Yeah. Sepala made his way back to Maine to be with him while so while he was being put to sleep. He gave him away to, to the to the breeder. He didn't really give him away, but he let him live there because he felt like he was doing the world a bigger service by allowing Togo to breed than Mm. it was to just Mm -hmm. keep him as a pet. Mm. So he immediately, Sepala immediately had Togo stuffed. I was was waiting for it. I was like, he had him stuffed and he is on display at the Iditarod Museum in Alaska. You can see what he looks like. And his skeleton belongs to Yale University. What are they doing with that? <laughs> but also, what are they doing with that? <laughs> I don't know, keeping it for like future scientific study? I don't know. I don't know. What does Yale want with sled dog skeleton? Do, I don't know. Do you, why do I have that? What a story this it was up, that's down, and then we went to a carnival. That, that's so American. <laughs> and it, it went and, to a carnival. 
yeah, yeah, ruining things. Carnival. Jay Carnivals. Like, come on. What? It was Get like. Get out of here. Literally, the, the whole town got saved. There was gold in the beginning. Carnival. <laughs> and it ends with a carnival. But corn dogs. Lead dogs. <laughs> they felt bad that Balto got the statue in Central Park and not Togo. So they did eventually put one of him up, but it's much smaller. Where is this? I lived in New York City for nine years. I ran around that park a ton. There's like a panther statue there. I'm pretty sure there's a panther. It is near Lenox Hill toward the the Columbus Circle end of the park, near Park Avenue. I I think I would have never thought to look is it near the dog park? There's like a dog park over there that would, or like an area. Located north of Central Park Zoo near the intersection of East Drive and 67th Street. Okay. And this is what the plaque says. Dedicated to the indomitable spirit of the sled dogs that relayed antitoxin. 600 miles over rough ice across treacherous waters through Arctic blizzards from Ninana to the relief of stricken Nome in the winter of 1925 endurance fidelity intelligence well tell everybody shante where they can find you because you're delightful and worth following where can people find they you? can find me in your dms sharing, <laughs> sharing some tiktoks but you can uh easiest way to find me is on instagram as well at the movement maestro maestro is spelled m-a-e-s-t-r-o because nobody knows how to spell so <laughs> nobody knows what a maestro is. Don't, they don't know how to do it. They don't want to say it. They're like maestro. And I'm like, what? Do you know what a maestro is? We, what oh. happened? <laughs> what has happened to the reading comprehension what, of human on? beings? <laughs> <laughs> a maestro is like a, like a conductor. Exactly. That's it. I'm like, come on. I'm orchestrating your movement. I was back in the day when I was, you know, doing the PT thing. Now it's just, you know, moving through life, but... Would love to connect with any and all of you. Yes. Sharon has the best peeps. <laughs> I do. Uh, everyone who's listening to this is the kind of person you want in your community. Amen. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> thank you so much. Such Sharon, a delight. Thank you. This was absolutely phenomenal. Thank you. <laughs> it's my pleasure. Well, we will we will chat via TikTok very soon. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening to the Sharon Says So podcast. I am truly grateful for you. And I'm wondering if you could do me a quick favor. Would you be willing to follow or subscribe to this podcast or maybe leave me a rating or a review? Or if you're feeling extra generous, would you share this episode on your Instagram stories or with a friend? All of those things help podcasters out so much. I cannot wait to have another mind blown moment with you next episode. Thanks again for listening to the Sharon Says So podcast.